money, deals, tribal knowledge, resources, training, coaching, partnering. We are Texas's largest real estate investor association at texasstarterkit.com. My name is Shanoa Grove. Welcome to the show. So every week we share something new. Right now we are doing a 14-part series. Uh, I just couldn't uh, stop at five or at 10 about all the things that we've learned as real estate investors over the last 20 years. So uh, this blueprint goes through the 272 things that we have learned over the last 20 years investing in real estate here in Texas. Uh, So we're breaking this out into different subsections to be able to help you guys learn about investing. So if you guys are uh, at university or at YouTube University, you might want to track us on our uh, YouTube channel or on our podcast, and you can get all of our tips of the week. They're specifically uh, broken out just so you can focus on that. I know many of you guys are probably binge watching on YouTube, just trying to learn about real estate and real estate investing. I will tell you, if you are investing, living, working in Texas, this is the YouTube channel that you want to follow because some of the folks that are on YouTube, they might be living uh, a really wonderful, exciting life and having a ton of subscribers but they live and work in Florida or Utah or California. So they're going to tell you different things that are going to work where they are investing, but may not work where you are investing. So highly recommend you get your knowledge or information from people who live uh, and work in the same area that you are also living and working. So part of our 14 part series today, so we all go back if you want to get started, uh, the marketing, understanding the different deals, going through due diligence, negotiating, financing, closing reselling, leasing, refinancing. Um, Tonight, actually, we're going to go through the operations part. Next week, we're going to talk about uh, entities and asset protection. So as we talk about operations, and this goes a little bit into some of the discussion that we had earlier today in terms of uh, some of those things that I call minimum wage activities and some of the things that you might want to outsource. But I will tell you that as a real estate investor, your long-term success is really all about what I call your back office, uh, which is Uh, having the people in place that allow you to grow and allow you to scale your business. Uh, If you are doing everything yourself at the beginning, it's going to feel really good. And for a while, uh, so uh, when we were talking earlier, we were having uh, 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 someone who's door knocking, someone who's installing, someone who's giving the bid, someone who's doing the accounting. And remember what you said here earlier uh, tonight, which is, at 24-7, we have someone answering the phone for you. So at some point, you went from answering the phone yourself, right, and getting interrupted all day to being able to hand that process and that system to somebody else so that you can have more maybe customer contacts, so you can have more installation time or whatever it may be that you decided was your best and highest use in your business that allowed you to grow and to scale your business. So if the 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 more valuable who are my business owners in the room i'm just curious okay the th- think about this and write this down if you brought a notepad with you the more valuable you are to your business somebody finish that for me the more the more valuable you are to your business the less value valuable your business is Think about that. The more valuable, if like everything has to go through me, you're bottleneck. You're bottlenecking yourself. You're getting up every morning and you're punching yourself in the face. Is that right? 
The more valuable you are in your business, the less valuable your business is. If your business cannot operate without you, oh, what happens if you get sick? Your business goes away, right? And that happens. So the more people that you have who are around you and supporting you, what I'm kind of referring to is your back office, right? The more able you will be able to scale your business. And even the more able you will be able to resell your business, right? So if you're building a business that is, is built to resale, re, to resell, think about the McDonald's model. Do you have Mr. McDonald back there flipping burgers anymore? No, but what did he create? He made, he fired himself from his business. He created systems, he created procedures so someone else could do those things for him so he could focus on what? Getting the next asset, selling the next franchise, building the things that were, and doing the things that were really gonna grow and scale his, his business. For you guys as real estate investors, I want you to think about it the exact same way. Now, uh, I'm super curious, how many of you are looking forward to like ripping it up, getting in there and doing your own renovations? It's okay. Who are you? I want to raise your hands. It's okay. Yeah. And you guys have probably been in a cubicle for a really long time, right? And just kind of like, you know, like you've never finished a day by saying, behold my spreadsheet. <laughs> Look at this thing of beauty. Look at all the tabs. Look at all the formulas, right? You probably have not said that, or at least, and then, you know, as, as a left brainer, and I'm a left brain analytical soul, it's just part of me. Like there have been times when I've been really proud of my spreadsheets, right? There, there I'll be honest, there have been those times, but it's like, at some point it's like, yeah, you're just the spreadsheet lady, right? It's like, we, we get it. Uh, but, but what I will tell you is, is when I first left or kind of started my second shift in, uh, from corporate America uh, and started doing real estate investing, it felt good to, at the end of the day, see the things that I had accomplished, right? And my guess is for those of you who raised your hand and said, yes, I want to get in there and I want to, you know, build something or I want to lay tile or I want to lay carpet or I want to, you know, put in an air conditioning system or I want to paint a wall or I want to take down this wall. It will feel really good the first time, assuming it's not 106 degrees. Uh, but what I will tell you is at some point you are going to have to do what? let that go in order to grow. But you had to do those things early on in your business, right? But the things that got you to where you were kept you exactly where you were until you decided to do what? Oh, honey, I've got to get some help. I've got to get somebody to do this part of the business for me. And then, and then, and then your business grew a little bit more. And then honey, I need to get some help to get somebody to do some of this so that my business can grow a little more. And you're doing all of these things incrementally, right? So the faster you are able to let go of maybe that good feeling of knocking down a wall, of taking trash out of a house, right? Of just getting in there and tearing it up and or getting in there and putting it all back together the faster you let go of the feeling of this feels good to me and the faster you hand that off and build your back office of people that you can call and you can talk to to be able to make your 
life easier to allow you to go on vacations. So I'm, I'm sure you can think about back to like the first vacation that you took that you were actually able to like be free away from your phone, right? Or be free away from your business to actually have that time off, which I think is what a lot of people get in this business to be able to do. So I will tell you the faster you stop doing your own, even though I know it feels good, the first one or two will feel great. But then what's going to happen is you will be limited to one or two. You will be limited to one or two. And I don't want that to be any of you. So uh, the faster you let go of that, the better. Uh, I read a quote, um, uh, who are my Timothy Ferris fans? Four hour work week, four hour body, uh, tools of Titans, tribe of mentors. Okay. So he had interviewed someone and that person had said in one of the quotes that had listed in the tools of Titans or tribe of mentors, I can't remember which one it was because kind of volume one, volume two. Uh, he said, self-sufficiency is a recipe for poverty. And I feel like we've been trained to think actually the exact opposite of that. And, and, and my guess is that this person defines poverty as maybe only making a few hundred thousand dollars a year. But sometimes you get stopped at that limit because again, you are so self-sufficient, you are doing everything in your business. Uh, so as soon as you can fire yourself, uh, and, and um, uh, Darren Hardy, uh, The Compound Effect, who's read that book? Okay, you sir, you are my you're you're my brother in reading these awesome books. Thank you for that. Darren Hardy, The Compound Effect, he talks about this, fire yourself as soon as you can. Fire yourself as soon as you can. He talked about that in his book, The Entrepreneurial Roller Coaster, uh, where he was actually interviewing a bunch of other entrepreneurs and asking them like, hey, what's your secret to success? In fact, he was the uh, owner and publisher of Success Magazine for many years. So during that time period, what did he get to do? He got to interview several successful business owners. And I thought one of the things that was most powerful that he said was uh, that one of that one of his mentors told to him was fire yourself as soon as you can, because the more valuable you are to your business, the less valuable your business is. And definitely the less sellable that your business is. You've heard of a lot of entrepreneurs who have had, um, uh, opportunities to sell their business. And if their business depends on them, what is the person who's buying their business going to ask them to do? I need you to work for me for the next year, right? As you transition this out. So you can't even get free after you sell the business in some cases. Uh, so the biggest mistake that I see most new investors make is that um, they fire themselves. And this is key. Uh, they fire themselves in some cases from the wrong jobs first. And, and this is where you guys are going to get pulled into some of the traps. And I'll explain to you some of what some of those traps are. But I will tell you that those customer facing activities are the last thing that you let go of. The customer facing activities, meaning the sales type activities where you're closing someone, where you're selling someone, those are the last things that you want to let go of. Uh, you should fire yourself from what I call, what I refer to as the minimum wage activity list first. And it's a little, this is a thing, again, that's a little bit counterintuitive from the standpoint. And Michael, just to let you know, I already stopped the record on the last one and started the record on the new one. So you're, you're, you can hang out here if you want or, or not, it's up to you. Uh, but you know, what I find is a lot of people will be, uh, fire themselves from, from the customer facing activities in their business, but still be doing their own cooking, cleaning, lawn, laundry, pool, picking up the dog poop in their yard, right? All of those different things. So 
So if there's something that I want you to fire yourself from first, it's actually, and I know this sounds counterintuitive, but it's actually all of the things that are taking your energy inside of your house first. And that way, if these, if these first uh, few items here are 20 or $30 an, an hour item things that you could pay someone 20 or $30 an hour to do. And I see all the women in here like, Oh yeah, we need to fire myself. From, you know, I, I should not, you know, does the dishes, is that included in there too? You know, uh, but it's true, right? So if you can pay somebody $30 an hour, but it gives you back time during which you can do a $50 an hour activity or a $100 an hour activity. Do you see how that's the thing that you want to get your, you want to fire yourself from as well? home maintenance, uh, car maintenance, car washing. One of my, uh, one of the members here was like, no, I've got to wash my own car. It's like, it's a special, special car. It's like, well, no, you can hire someone who will actually bring like a whole mobile detailing service over. And you have to let that go because he was spending like five hours a week, like loving on his beautiful automobile. And it's like, well, what if you just spent that five hours a week, just on more customer facing activities to be able to bring in more revenue to your business, uh, picking up, uh, dropping off dry cleaning. Who wants to carry around? their dirty clothes in their car with them, right? Especially in this heat, right? And then you forget to go. Like there are so many services that will pick up your dry cleaning and take them and then bring them back when they're done, right? Having those things done uh, can really free up your time. The dog grooming, even having the mobile pet grooming service, uh, car detailing, car maintenance, the bookkeeping, the accounting, the taxes. So I will tell you some of the first mistakes that we made in our business are some of the mistakes that I'm sharing with you tonight. So uh, both my husband and I, we worked in corporate America. We worked in a cube and a building and air conditioning for 10 hours every single day, right? 10 hours every single day. So it did give us that feel good feeling of, you know, the first purchase that we made, and I'm embarrassed to say this today, but we bought a, a trailer so that we could haul stuff to the dump. When my husband and I were first dating, we would go on dump dates. <laughs> and I married him anyway, you know? <laughs> I mean, but I mean, think about it. It's like we were doing all of these things ourselves when instead of us, you know, taking trash out of a, a hoarder house, we should have paid some kid who needed the money and then been working on doing what? Finding another deal. And if anyone feels, and, and I'm just curious, and I know you guys don't seem like a hand raisy crowd, but just... Please, um, does anybody feel like, well, I don't like, and someone once told me like, <laughs> um, you're just bougie, you know? Oh, well, that's just what rich people say. You know, literally I had somebody tell me that until what? Until they became bougie and rich. And guess what they did? They did exactly, they stopped doing the things that I stopped doing as well. But as anybody is like, well, I don't know if I feel good about that. I'm just curious. It's okay. You can raise your hand. No one's getting canceled or slapped or put out into the heat you know, anybody? Okay. You guys are not going to um, have fun with me at all today. Wonderful. <laughs> but um, what I will tell you this, if anybody feels guilty about that, if anybody feels guilty about that, who feels, you feel guilty. Anybody else feel, okay. Some of you guys feel guilty. Um, here's what instead you might feel guilty about. When you fire yourself from these minimum wage activities, but you're hiring other people to come in, you are creating economies. You're creating economies that include other people. In many cases, who are the first people that we hire? 
our family members, right? Our kids, our brothers, our sisters, our parents, right? You know, who do you, you know, I have a 14 year old son. Who do you think would watch my 14 year old son when he was little and even tonight, right? My mom, isn't it nice to be able to employ your mom and have someone who has the same values that you do with your kid when you're going away, right? Do you have that same opportunity when maybe you're in corporate America and you can't afford to pay them? The answer is no. So I would say instead of feeling, you know, a little guilty about having somebody else do this for me because you feel bad about it, you should feel guilty about all of your favorite family members and friends that you're not able to employ. It does feel good to be able to create an economy that includes other people around you because you are focusing on your best and your highest good. Um, so some of the other things, so I told you that one of the first uh, capital uh, investments that we made was in, was in this trailer. Uh, the trailer is, uh, we still own it, but it stays at our handyman's house. So whenever we need something done, our handyman goes to do it. Uh, so, so the trailer only visits us, right? The trailer only visits us at this point. Uh, bookkeeping, accounting, and taxes. So when we first started investing, we were the bookkeeper and we were the accountant. We weren't filing, we had, we hired someone else to file our, uh, to create our tax returns, but we were, you know, reconciling all of our bank statements and we were putting everything into, uh, at the time quick and then now QuickBooks. And it was destroying our productivity, right? And it was taking a lot of the fun out of what we were doing. And it was destroying our ability to get in front of the customer and have another customer facing experience, which is going to lead to that next deal. And as a real estate investor, how much do you make on deals? 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, a hundred thousand dollars. I'm sure you've all heard stories exactly like that. So if you're too busy to go and talk to a customer because you're cleaning your own house or picking up your dog's poop, rethink your life just, just a little bit and just put a little perspective on it. Cause I think for some of you guys, it could literally add 10 or maybe 20 plus hours a week to your life. So don't fire yourself first from those customer uh, uh, activities, fire yourself instead from these minimum wage activities. None of these activities are going to do anything for you guys to move the needle. None of these things are going to move the needle for you in your life. You're not going to save your way to financial freedom by, you know, I mean, maybe I did, I did think I read something that if, you know, by not having a $6 Starbucks every day, you could be a millionaire or something if you live to a hundred or something, but, but that's not on here. Uh, but you guys get the point. You guys get the point. So as you grow your business, you'll be tempted to first do it all yourself and then second outsource the wrong stuff. So I don't want you guys to fall into any of these sand traps, any of these uh, pot potholes. I don't want this to be any of you guys. So instead, uh, what I want you guys to do is to keep those customer facing activities you. And one of the traps that I see a lot of new investors fall into is, is this beautiful thing called a VA, a virtual assistant. And what are people having their virtual assistants do for them right now in real estate like crazy? Call. Yeah. I'm curious who in here besides me owns rental property? Who owns rental property? Keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. Raise them higher just so everybody can see. Keep your hands up if you get calls from other investors, VAs about your rental properties. Okay. Yes. Most of you, most of you guys uh, have your hands up. What does that call sound like? Someone said automation scripted. Where, where are they calling you from? They're calling you from the Philippines. 
that's where my VAs are, right? All, that's where all my VAs are. They're calling you from the Philippines. What do you know automatically when you get a call from uh, someone's VA? How long does it take them to say hello back? Too many seconds. That's, that's the exact right answer, right? And what do you automatically know? This is a cold call, right? I already know what they're calling about. Do they sound like they're the owner of the business? Does it sound like they could buy your house from you? No. Is that a customer facing activity? That seems to be one of those activities. And this is one of the traps that people like to outsource first. What I will challenge you guys, and I'm curious, I have VAs, who has VAs in here? Who uses virtual assistants, right? Put yourself, put your own name, different name, put your own phone number on your list for your VA to call and note every single detail. Because in life, are we noting every single detail? Do we note that it's like, that's one, two or three seconds too long for them to say hello back? And they say hello, like, hello? hello? Yeah. Come on, right? So that's one of the ones that I will ask you to be careful with because that's one of the ones that we are most, in some cases, afraid of. Not everyone is getting up at three o'clock in the morning to go, and not, you weren't door knocking at three o'clock in the morning, but not everyone is out there brave enough to go door knocking. It's probably one of the toughest things that we do as real estate investors or as business owners in general, right? Drum up new business. But at the end of the day, if your business has re does not have revenue, you have no business. It's pretty simple. It's pretty simple. So don't give up those customer facing activities. Instead, give up those minimum wage activities that are doing nothing to move the dial. Was this a helpful discussion for you guys? Okay, good. All right. Yeah. All right. Good. All right. So if you'd like some additional tips and ticks, tips and ticks, uh, it is Lyme season and the deer are out. Yes. If you'd like some additional tips and tricks, uh, join us on our Texas Ria's YouTube channel. We have different tips every week for being able to grow your business. I have got hundreds of tips out there for you guys to be able to grow your business. I love for you guys to binge watch and become the expert as part of Texas Ria's to be able to grow your own business as well. Who's ready for the market update? How do you think Houston, Texas did in June? How do you think Texas did in June? How do you think Houston fared against the other large markets, right? What's going, what's y'all's, what's y'all's pulse on the market right now? What do you guys feel? What do you guys hear? What do you guys think about the market right now? It's picking up. Someone said it's slowing down. I love this. <laughs> What else? Yes, sir. Absolutely. So it's, it is a fascinating market that we are in right now. So, so 70% of the uh, mortgage interest rates out there are 4% or under. Okay. If you look at the number of mortgage applications just over the last year, they've gone from here in you know, March of 2022, right. To, and now we're in July, right. Of 2022, they're, they're down here. So they've taken a huge drop, a huge drop. And, uh, but the market has not tanked, uh, because of that. And a lot of people would have guessed that the market's going to tank. The real estate market specifically is going to tank because we've never, I mean, we haven't in 
40 plus years raise interest rate as quickly as we have raised them over the last year, right? Uh, so there were a lot of people who were calling for the market to fall. But what's happened instead is, you know, you reference this term consolidation. And I think it is, I'll, I'll, I might change the term just a little and just say hibernation, right? The reason why the market fell in 2008, 9, 10, and 11, we didn't have 70% of the house's mortgage interest rates were at 8% or below. Now 70% are at 4% or below. And when people are looking at, and, you know, uh, in the last market cycle 15 years ago, when people were saying, what should I do? It's like, well, I could trade out of this high interest rate and stay at a high interest rate. Today in the market environment, people are saying, well, I could trade out of this low interest rate and go to this high interest rate, right? So what are people doing? I'm kind of calling it, you're calling it a consolidation. I'm saying the sellers are, are hibernating, which has actually been, you know, for people who hold real estate like me, uh, for people who are buying and selling real estate like me, it's been wonderful versus where we were in the market during the Great Recession, right? Where sellers had to get out of houses and the the they, they inflated the supply. So um, in 2010, we had a supply that was in some parts of Texas over nine months of inventory. Today, we have a supply that's about three months of inventory. Now it is more than doubled from one and a half, which is roughly what it was the same time last year. But because the supply of inventory is so low, people don't want to trade out of those low interest rate properties that they, they have. It's actually, from my perspective, as someone who buys and holds a lot of property and trades in and out of a lot of property, it's helped to stabilize a market in um, an environment that could have gone really uh, really sideways like it like it has in the past. Uh, so that's one thing that I've loved about this market. And, you know, I think it really, at the end of the day, depends on your perspective. So, you know, some people say the market's slowed down. Yeah, the market has slowed down a lot. I mean, the sales are down somewhere between five and 15 plus percent year over year. And even towards the end of last year, sales were actually down 30%. But what is held um, remarkably constant in this reduction of sales is the sales price. Sales prices are down uh, without a doubt, uh, but they're not down um, as much as they could be considering, right? So uh, I would say, you know, in, in 2009, 10, 11, when sales prices were flat for basically four years, you would hear me saying, over and over again, flat is the new up. Congratulations, especially versus like a market like California. Uh, what California saw in 2008, 9, 10, and 11, when sales uh, uh, prices were down 30%, right? In Texas, they're down a little bit, but pretty much flat. So in this environment, what we're seeing in uh, many of the markets is prices are down. But Considering that we've more than doubled interest rates in a one-year period, the fact that overall in Texas, the average price is only down 1% year over year, I would challenge you guys in your perspective and, and challenge you guys to say, this is something that we should be celebrating. This is something that we should be celebrating. Now, I will say in a market where sales prices are down though, it is incumbent upon us now more than ever to make sure we buy these properties right. Over the last few years, if you bought it wrong and if you made a ton of mistakes, guess what? You're still going to do okay, right? Why? Because if, if, you're, if your strategy is, well, I'm going to wait for the market to save me, 
it's going to be quite painful, right? We right now, guys, are part of what I call the sandwich generation as real estate investors. Many of you guys are familiar with the sandwich generation as as um, as uh, uh, parents and children, right? Sandwich generation is you have parents, right, or grandparents living with you, and then you have kids that are living with you still that aren't launching in the way that, you know, like when I was 17, I moved out of the house, right? It's like, that's just like normal, right? But kids these days are staying a lot normal than they, a lot longer than they used to. And they're kind of expensive, right? And then you're also taking care of parents. You guys are familiar with that, the sandwich generation? So the sandwich generation, you may not be familiar with this, sandwich generation for real estate investors is we're getting pinched or squeezed by sellers who want the price that their house was worth and we're getting pinched or squeezed by buyers who want what? A price that's commiserate with these much higher interest rates, right? So they want to, they want to, they want to lower. So we're getting kind of squeezed like this. And and the mustard and the mayonnaise in the middle is labor prices are up, supply prices are up. So it is incumbent upon us as real estate investors in any time, but especially when prices are flat or going down, that we have to buy the asset, right? Because there's a saying in real estate, we make our money on the buy, right? We get our money plus hopefully some profit on the resell, assuming that we do everything right. You had a question or a comment? Is it the same kind of concept when you get a new build in terms of buying it right? Or, well, if you're buying a new build, my guess is you're buying it to hold as a rental property. Okay, so um, there is a book, I'm looking to, to my man in the back here. Morgan Housel, The Psychology of Money. You, who's read that? Who's read that? That is a great book. Yes, yes, you tell him. That is a great book. Get that book right now. The Psychology of Money by Morgan Housel. And one of the things that he talks about is know what game you are playing and know what game your competitors are playing. So the truth is that you can buy a house at full price right? Not get a discount at all, as long as what? You hold it long enough and give it time to do its magic, which is appreciate in price. But if you're buying a house at full price, there's no way that you can, in a short period of time, playing the short game, right? Which is the buy, fix, and flip game, be able to pay full price and then later sell it at full price after closing costs, property taxes, hard money payments, and then closing costs again when you go to buy it. So if you're buying it and holding it, you're good. But if you're buying and paying full price for anything, you're, you're going to be in trouble unless, again, you hold it long enough to watch the market make its magic. The new, yeah, the new builds have been dropping their prices. You know, what's interesting too is, you know, I've got closed sales down 10% here. It's what's, what's fascinating is we have, uh, we have uh, a very divergent market and I don't have the number memorized. And I apologize for that. But if you look at closed existing homes, closed sales, they're down closer to 15%. If you look at new homes close sales, they're actually up, okay? Why is that? Do you know why that is? Because everyone or well, 70% of the people out there are wearing golden handcuffs. What are those golden handcuffs? The interest rates. 
Nobody wants to trade out of those existing houses because everyone refinanced in 2020, 2021, or the beginning of 2022. So there's actually a little bit of a reduced supply of some of those existing house active inventory and the new builders are looking to, yeah, they're looking to make deals. So for, so, you know, in, uh, 2008, 9, 10, and 11, the, a lot of the new builders got in trouble because they were selling to investors. Okay. And, and they were kind of, um, selling to, you know, I would say like phantom buyers. So buyers who were just going to immediately put the property back on the market. Well, when some of those phantom buyers or investor buyers started to fail, then it started to pull down these investor, these builder prices, right? So for the last 10 years, uh, builders have been kind of strong arming investors and basically saying, we don't want investors over here. So invest just in case you guys are wondering investors, we're not a protected class. Okay. They can discriminate fully against us. Okay. I just want to let you know. So, but, but now who are they trying to get back in to be able to absorb some of the inventory? That would be us, right? That would be the investors. So I would say, I know prices are down, but what I would challenge you on is you're not going to be able to buy it and sell it in six months for a profit. Now, could you buy it and sell it in six years for a profit? If that's the game you're playing, you will win at that game, right? So so again, the psychology of money, uh, Morgan Housel, one of the things he talks about is know what game you're playing and know what game your competitors are playing. And then the final book that I'm going to drop on you today before I stop book, I feel like I'm, I'm, an, I, I'm, I'm not a celebrity, you know, person, like I don't drop celebrities, but I drop authors names like crazy. So uh, poor Charlie's Almanac. Okay. Warren Buffett, Charlie Munger, poor Charlie's out. Who's, who's read that book? Okay. A couple of you guys, that is a great book. And one of the things he's got 10 rules in there. And one of the things that he talks about is, uh, compound interest, most powerful force in the universe. And one of his rules is don't interrupt it unnecessarily. So, and he, they are, they are, are they kind of their proponents of imagine your investments like a, like a train ticket. And some of you guys in, in Houston, Texas, probably never been on a train, but people of you guys who live up north have been on a train, right? So you get so many punches on a train ticket, right? And he basically said, imagine each investment that you make on as, as one, of, one of the punches that you get on that train ticket. And again, one of the things he says is when you're buying some of these things and you're buying and holding, and that's primarily the, the uh, Berkshire Hathaway uh, strategy to buy and hold for the long term and watch what the value go up. So that's why he's saying, don't be trading in and out of these investments unnecessarily, stopping that appreciation. So yes, you can buy a new house as long as you have the patience uh, and financial you know, wherewithal to be able to hold on to that while the market is flat or even down, right? And just if, if you listen it guys, if you bought a property at full price on the MLS five years ago, you're probably now between a hundred, 200, 300 plus thousand dollars richer, right? What did you do? Were you, a, were you some sort of an investing genius? No, you just held on to it long enough to make that magic happen. So yes, any investment can be a great investment as long as you hold on to it. So uh, closed sales down 10% uh, year over year. Pending sales, uh, they are down versus where we were the same time last year. So as we close out July, we will probably see a reduction in those uh, closed sales too. But I am just uh, beside myself excited that even though sales volume has gone down 10%, that sales prices are still only down for all of Texas 1%. You guys should be too. 
Now, Austin is a little different story, so I'm going to go through the other major markets as well. Uh, so Austin, the average price, 611000 The same time last year, it was 650000 So Austin sales prices are down about 8% year over year. Their closed sales are down 8.5% year over year. Uh, their uh, pending sales, they were actually, um, I've got the arrow wrong, but the pending sales are actually up in Austin. And the closest leading indicator to what closed sales will be next month are those pending sales. So it's quite possible that Austin will be the first market in Texas to have a positive year-over-year close sales, and that would be in the month of uh, as we close out July. And the Dallas-Fort Worth market, uh, average price was down, but only down 3%. Close sales were down, uh, but did pretty well as well, only down 4%. Pending sales, our closest leading indicator of what July will look like, also down uh, down, ele- uh, down 7%. If you guys are wondering, well, well where's, where's, where's everybody going, right? Where are all these would-be buyers? Where are all these would-be sellers. Well, a lot of the would-be sellers are now accidental landlords, okay? The number of leases are up 26% year over year in the Dallas market. And the Houston market uh, did really well. Average price, 431000 down, but only down 0.5%, which again, that's pretty much flat and flats the new up considering, again, the fact that we've uh, more than doubled interest rates over the course of last year. Closed sales down 13%, pending sales down 5%. Where has everyone gone? Uh, leases. Uh, leases in, in uh, Houston are up 17% year over year. And that bottom number that I have, new lease listings. So they're also up 15% year over year. So this is would-be sellers that have said, eh, prices are flatter down. I'm not getting what I want. I'll just lease it for a year. Again, watch that magic come back and happen for me. And the San Antonio market sales price was flat year over year. Uh, total number of sales down 9% year over year. Pending sales down 13%. Uh, gosh, leases, that should be not flat up, but that should be up 17% year over year and uh, the lease price up as well. Guys, was that helpful for you guys in understanding where we are in the market right now? All right. Wonderful for two of you. I really uh, gave some fantastic uh, information. So that makes me feel really uh, wonderful. Thank you. Yes, sir. Uh, So the the question was, uh, because leases are up, is now a good time to buy and hold? I would say it's always a great time to buy and hold. So for me, I buy and hold opportunistically every single chance that I get. Uh, So if I need cash, what am I doing? I'm buying and selling, right? If I want, you know, uh, to build wealth, right, which almost all my wealth is built on properties that I bought 20 years ago that I've just held on to as the market's kind of gone up and down, right? Or really just kind of gone up like that, right? So if you can afford to hold, hold. But if you've got to generate cash flow for yourself, for your seven kids, eight kids, seven kids, eight kids, you forgot to. Okay. All right. So it's not just me. Okay. So, okay. Uh, For your seven kids, right? Then you may say, Hey honey, you know, I'd love to keep it. They're big. Okay. So, so, so put them to work. Okay. Okay. So put them to work, put them to work then. Uh, but if you can afford to keep it, if you get a low interest rate, if it's cash flowing, if it's appreciating, right? Most powerful force in the universe, compound interest, don't interrupt it unnecessarily, i.e. don't trade out of it, right? That's the uh, Warren Buffett, Charlie Munger strategy. Uh, if you can apply that, I would say apply it in every single way that you can, right? Hold on to the properties that are going to double and double in value. Because at the end of the day, when we look at our balance sheet, 
we're going to like this, this, we're going to like, how well are we doing? Right. We're not going to just look at the income that we made two years ago. We're going to look at what wealth do we have today? Right. We're not, we don't, you don't remember the, oh, I remember you remember the first few houses, right. But after that, you're not going to remember every single house that you flipped. You're just, you're just going to remember the ones that you have held onto that have doubled and doubled in value and built your family, um, wealth, your legacy and your ability to, you know, enjoy a life on, on a beach and, and no offense, but when I say beach, I'm not talking about Galveston beach. I'm talking about Miami beach, right? So, so there are things that you can do that will land you on Galveston beach, which, you know, no, no, no hating here. Uh, but I mean, but there are other things that you can do that can land you on Miami beach. And I think if you want to, you know, weigh it out, you decide. All right, so guys, uh, a quick special announcement. So I'd love to share with you a little bit about what we've learned investing in the last 20 years. Uh, so we'd love to invite you to a workshop that we've got coming up where we'll tell you all of the 12 different investing strategies that we have used to be able to survive and thrive no matter what has gone on in the market. And we've invested for the last 20 years, have not had to take a paycheck from anyone else and not had to update my resume. At this point in my life, my resume is in some version of DOS that even the techiest of the techie people in this room could not unwind and fix, nor would I want you to, because I love what I do as an investor. I love the freedom that it gives me. I love the income and the wealth that it gives me as well. Uh, so we'll share with you how to make it in any market, including some of the wildest markets uh, that anyone living in this room has, has had. We'll also talk about the different marketing strategies to be able to find these off-market deals and the closing scripts to be able to... Uh, we call it the exactly what to say for the real estate investor to overcome every objection. And we've had many objections over the last uh, 20 years. We've taken training with Chris Voss, with Chase Hughes, with Phil Jones to be able to learn some other strategies as well that are used in other industries. We brought those over to real estate investing. We've got a limited three city tour coming up. So we'd love to have you guys get registered for it. If you will go ahead and pull out your phone now and then, um, uh, hit on this QR code. We have an event coming up in Dallas, Houston, and in Austin. We may have some additional uh, openings and other dates that you may find in there. So if you want to go to an earlier date and you see one available, go ahead and click on that. But if you'll pull up the QR code, if you're not familiar with Q and pull up the QR code, it's going to take you to a site. You'll just pick which event that you want to get registered for. And if you are not familiar with QR codes, no worries. You can go to texasstarterkit.com com texasstarterkit.com. And uh, that's a great way to be able to get registered there. For those of you guys, my friends online who are listening, just click on the link below and we can go ahead and get you registered for that. And I'll go ahead and leave this up because I see some of you guys are still fighting with your QR code readers. Uh, so if you are, if you're struggling, just again, go to texasstarterkit.com, texasstarterkit.com. And as we are transitioning to our keynote speaker tonight, Mr. Phil Grove, he's a nationally recognized expert in number of real estate investing strategies, trained over 100,000 people here in Texas how to invest in real estate, transacted over 1,200 deals, invested in over 300 million in commercial property, survived and thrived in every part of the real estate market cycles, uh, and owns over $30 million in real estate, mostly free and clear and all here in Texas. Will you guys all please give a warm round of applause for Mr. Phil Grove. Texas's largest real estate investor association at texasstarterkit.com. If you like today's episode, please subscribe, comment, share with other investors, or join us directly at texasstarterkit.com.